Chapter 5 Party in Herod You have, of course, heard of Unferth, his mighty blade hunting, and his great valor in battle, my sister's son. You know that, like too many of us, Unferth had killed his brothers. Not just one, either. Both of them. But he had distinguished himself in battle, and became one of Hrothgar's most trusted ring things. Like the rest of Hrothgar's men, though, he was helpless when it came to Grendel, reluctant, eventually, to even mention Grendel by name. So why did he act the way he did that evening? Was he jealous of Beowulf, or was he just testing the young hero to see how determined Beowulf was? Was he doing his job as counsel to the king and trying to shield his lord from false hopes placed in time wasters with bigger boasts than boots? Or was he just drunk? Was he a sly and determined manipulative man? Or was he a frustrated hero who deeply regretted the fact that he was not up to facing Grendel? Why did he behave the way he did before Beowulf faced Grendel? And why did he act so differently afterward? Like with so many things, it depends upon who's telling the story. Herod had filled up with Danes. They needed music and drinking to get over their fear of the place and so ale and mead flowed in quantity. The skald played merry tunes. War stories filled the room, sometimes told from on top of tables. The cooking fire leapt high, and all manner of meat was being roasted, broiled, boiled, braised, and fried. Beowulf ate many platefuls of fish and drank several tankards of honey mead. Once things were in full swing, a large warrior with well-crafted armor, a battle scar across the bridge of his nose, a blonde beard, and the gold ring of a thane glinting from his right hand spoke up loudly. "'Aren't you the Beowulf who lost the swimming contest with Brekka?' he called from his place right below the king. At this point, all but the most drunk of the revelers stopped talking to see what would happen. As for Beowulf, not wanting to cause trouble in Hrothgar's hall, and not being confident in his skills of diplomacy, he waited to see if Unferth would move on and look to bother someone else. But Unferth would not drop it. I heard you two irresponsibly risked your lives in the bosom of the remorseless sea just to get bragging rights. Idiots! And everybody knows that Brekka, being a skillful swimmer, easily outswam you and arrived safely in the land of the Ethereums while you proved unable to keep up and that you washed ashore up the coast, claiming to have been swimming for a week straight. And now Grendel, if you really have the pride to stay and face him, will outdo you in violence just as easily and as seriously tonight as Brekka did in swimming those few years ago. In typically diplomatic fashion, Beowulf answered, Are you not Unferth? From the redness of your cheeks, I'd say you've drank more ale than you can handle, my dear Danish friend. I see you've heard of our famous swimming contest, but have got the wrong end of the stick entirely. You see, it is true that the waves roiled dangerously rough that week. And it is true that Brekka and I set out to wrestle with the waves and make for a distant shore to see who was the stronger swimmer. We brought with us our blades to fend off sea creatures, for there are sometimes sharks in those waters. Brekka was a strong swimmer, but he could not keep up with me, so I made sure I did not leave him behind. Due to our ability to hold our breaths and swim underwater for long periods, we made good progress and swam a marathon of five days, treading water only occasionally to rest. By the fifth night... Brekka was completely exhausted, and I was tiring as well. The rough waves separated us, and I had to go on alone, not being able to find him. It was at this point that something bit into my mail jacket while I was swimming in. The thing that bit me was what we call a necra at home. Naturally, I was not wearing my underarmor padded shirt to swim in, so the rings cut cruelly into my ribs and crushed the breath from my lungs, 
and the creature began to drag me to the bottom. He wasn't able to bite through my mail, but he was determined to carry me to the bottom and eat me nonetheless. I wielded then, as I do now, my special sword nailing, which will not bend nor break, and which I do not drop easily. Nailing, it was, that went in under the creature's eye and sprang out through the back of his neck, filling the icy salt sea around us with his hot salt blood. Because of his blood in the water, and some of mine as well, his fellows began to circle. I surfaced long enough to get me another breath, then dove down and taught the underwater predators to taste iron. Their bloody bodies piled up below me, nine of them, and it was then, in the light of the rising sun, that I saw land with cliffs and rocky beach. A powerful current carried me to the shore of Finland and cast me upon the rocks where I lay exhausted for some time. I do not boast, but I have never heard that Breca, nor any of you Danes, have performed these kind of feats in the water, nor yet in battle. Are you not Unferth, the man who will suffer in hell for all eternity, for having killed both of his brothers with your sword fronting? Unferth looked at Beowulf and said nothing. Beowulf continued, Neither you, nor yet Breca, nor any of the Spear Danes either, are equipped to deal with Grendel. The creature fights eagerly, enacting unspeakable horrors upon Heorot, knowing he need not worry that any will stand against him and prevail, while I and the other Yetish warriors have come to do just that. Again, Unfer said nothing, and simply took a pull from his ale cup. King Hrothgar, though, laughed with delight at Beowulf's speech, and encouraged everyone to drink to Beowulf's success. Loud clattering of dishes, clinking of mugs, and clanging of metal goblets rang out again, along with the kind of relieved laughter that comes when people suddenly feel better about something that has been troubling them for too long. Weelthiao the queen, resplendent in her gold jewelry and dark green velvet gown, then brought out the special wine in a large decorative wine bowl, and made the rounds of the hall, serving first her husband the king, wishing him health and a joyous evening, and then moving down the ranks from there once he had taken a kingly pull at his golden mug. She had richly decorated gold and silver jewelry, sword ornaments, and elaborate drinking vessels to award some of the Danes who had served well in battle recently and had not yet been recognized. When she came to Beowulf, once she had served him and given him a gold torque for his neck, she gave a grateful speech in which she thanked God that he had come. My fervent wish that help would come to Heorot from over the waters has come true, she announced. Beowulf then gave a speech of his own, saying it had been his intention when entering a ship to come, to do, or die. He ended by saying, I shall perform a great deed of battle, or I shall end my life here in this mead hall. The Danes applauded deafeningly. They drank and sang and told tales well into the night, trying to stay awake in case Grendel made an appearance, and knowing that their noise would draw him. The cooking fire died down to embers, and the hall grew darker and darker. One by one, though, young men and women sneaked off together, and old men and women and cowardly people quietly went to their own homes, hoping no one would notice. A great number of people drank enough to pass out comfortably under a table. The benches had been intended to serve as beds, too. Many had brought a blanket or cushion to use them for this very purpose. It was expected that mainly the young warriors would stay to meet Grendel, and the elderly and the women left, for the most part. A few brave shield maidens remained, determined to prove brave as any man. It was, after all, 918. Eventually, when most people had fallen asleep, 
king rose and said to Beowulf, I have never entrusted Herot, Hall of the Danemen, to anyone else. I have not seen it done since I was old enough to hold a shield up high. I leave it with you now, asking you to be honorable and brave. Watch for the enemy. Enjoy the food and drink until he comes. And when he comes, make sure you survive this bold adventure. Then a small group of armed thanes escorted the king and queen out of the hall by torchlight to their regular sleeping quarters, and all was still. Beowulf sat, quietly drinking mead, with a few of his Yetish warriors, but one by one they all eventually slept, taking their place toward the rear of the hall. "'Could you not watch with me one more hour?' Beowulf said ruefully to their sleeping backs. Then he lay down with them, so no one appeared to be on watch. But Beowulf did not sleep. 